If you have your your Bibles, you can open with me to Luke chapter 2, and we will do as the Vermilions read just a moment ago and talk about the shepherds. As you see on your outline, the goal this morning is to look through the eyes of the shepherds. Well, this morning, as we begin, I just want to take a few moments and kind of share a few things with you, uh, that as we walk into 2021, many of you kind of asked, okay, we're through the book of Philippians, so what is next? And so as a church, over the course of 2021 and possibly into 2022, we're going to go through the the gospel of Mark. And this is one of uh, the shorter gospels, and so we'll be able to make it in a year and maybe a year and a half. Uh, But we'll stop several times over the course of that journey and take some breaks and talk about some different needs that our faith family may have or some things happening in our world and through different seasons. So if you are one that likes to read ahead, you can go ahead and start cracking open the book of Mark and we'll take that journey together through the year 2021 and possibly into 2022, depending on how it goes. I'll also share that as we start this new year, um, my heart is just, uh, you know, we faced a, a challenging year. There's been a lot of difficult things happen, a lot of uh, struggles, and many of you have faced things that you never thought you would face in this year. And it's given me a renewed sense that Our greatest need is that we are standing firm on the solid rock of God's truth. We can find our ears to be tickled in a lot of places, and we can find things that we want to hear, and we can find places that will just tell us what we want to hear. But friends, we need truth in our lives. We need to ground ourselves so that when difficulties of life come, we are grounded in the truth of God's word and we know why we believe what we believe and we can call upon it in the times of our most difficult seasons. And so as we enter into 2021, what we're going to enter into as a church is a time where every month we are going to memorize a piece of scripture together. It's not going to be this long block of scripture. It's just going to be a simple phrase of scripture, a couple of verses a month, every month. And so starting in January, we're going to memorize a portion of Scripture. So on Sunday morning, and if we come back to Sunday night during Wednesday night prayer meeting as a staff, every Tuesday morning, we're going to memorize the Scripture. And I hope you as a family, as you're going about in your homes, you'll memorize the Scripture together. I hope you'll put it on your dash of your car, on the mirror of your uh, home when you're getting ready in the morning, that you'll talk about it. I pray in your Bible fellowship classes you memorize it. So at the end of the year doesn't seem like much, but we would have 12 passages of Scripture deeply, firmly rooted in our hearts. So I believe as we face things, what we need is to call upon God's Word to help us through it. And so as a faith family, every week, whether you like it or not, we're going to do it. We're going to memorize Scripture together. Systematically, we're going to go through it and talk about it here on the pulpit on Wednesday nights. And you know, as a staff, we're going to memorize it together. I'm not going to give you a hard stuff. It's not going to be random passages. It's scriptures that are going to be help us and drive the, the roots of our faith even deeper. So know that that's something that we'll be doing as we enter into 2021. And know that, uh, Lord knows, we don't know what the future holds. None of us knows what this afternoon holds or what tomorrow holds or none of us know what 2021 is going to look like. And I, I pray that as we launch into this new year, we are we're trusting in the Lord's goodness. Yes, we don't need to know what the next week or month holds, but we will just be faithful with the next step, with what the next thing God calls you to or leads you to. We're faithful in that step. That's our calling. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Let's be faithful in what God calls us to this day. And I believe the Lord will be with us as we walk through a new year. So again, this morning, we're going to look at the shepherds. If you have your outline, you'll see Luke 8, uh, Luke 2, excuse me, 8 through 20. Let's read it together. We've already read it, so let me read it again just to reinforce. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field 
keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you, that you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child, and all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising him for all that they had seen and heard as it had been told to them. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the goodness of who you are. And Lord, as we walk through this time this morning, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and illuminate your word for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I shared Wednesday night that um, I want to just take you back for a second and think, do you recall your first time getting behind the wheel of a car without your parents in the car with you? You remember that moment, that great moment of life that, that happened, that you got to sit behind the wheel, but without your parents there, maybe as a 14 or 15-year-old, you were longing for that moment. You're waiting for it. You're anticipating the moment that you can get behind the car, and your parents won't be anywhere in sight. You can just drive off into the distance. For me, I got behind the wheel of my mom's uh, old Toyota Camry, and I sat there, no parents anywhere in sight. And I drove, like any teenager would, up to the gas station, and I got me a candy bar and a Coke, and nobody could tell me no, right? It was happening. It was awesome. But that anticipation of longing to get to go and drive a car and how cool that was and awesome it was to be free and get to do it. And for the next year, any chance that I got that our parents would let me, I got to drive the family car, right? I wanted to drive everybody, probably to their terror and to everybody else's. But I got to drive the car. Every chance I get, Mom, Dad, can I please drive us? Can I please take us somewhere? Can I please drive the car? I want to be the driver of the car, right? You, you, you remember this? Remember those days of just dying to be able to drive the car? You wanted to drive, you would anticipate, are we going to the store? I'll go. I'll go to the store with you. I'll drive the car, Mom. I'll be glad to drive the car. Now, something's happened now. I'm 33 years old, and I drive a minivan. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite anticipate driving the car like I used to. Then I have the, quite the same zeal and desire. I don't love getting behind the wheel of the car and taking three screaming kids anywhere with milk flying past my face and all sorts of things happening. It doesn't quite have the same excitement that it used to. Right? Some days I still drive up to the gas station and get a Coke and a candy bar. But still, that's beside the point. There's something that happens over time where this anticipation and this joy of driving turned into kind of a drudgery and Man, I just got to get through it. Let's just get to our destination. Let's just get there. Let's just, let's just get to the end here. You see, the same thing can happen as we come to these Christmas stories. Things that used to just leave us in amazement and wonder at the goodness of who God was, that he would send his son to this earth to die in our place, that this Jesus was born in a stable, in a manger, and the shepherds would come, and this amazement of this Christmas story that we would just, just be amazed by at some point just becomes, let's get the tree up, Let's get through this. Let's see if we can balance our budget, make sure that our checkbook clears. Let's just see if we can get through this season unscathed. 
At times, our, our over-familiarity with the Christmas story is sometimes the most scariest part of the Christmas season. That we lose the wonder and joy of the goodness of our Savior coming to this earth to live a sinless and perfect life, to die on the cross, to save us of all of our sins. This is what we're celebrating this Christmas season, not the decorations that we're putting up or the over-familiarity of what we see. This is an incredible season of life that we're celebrating. So just like driving a car, friends, guard yourself against becoming so over-familiar with the story of Christmas that it loses its absolute splendor and majesty of what it is. This is incredible. This is what separates us from every religion on the face of the planet, that we have a Savior who came down to this earth to live and die in our place, to give us life and life eternal. So Christmas is a celebration. It's not a season that we make it through. It's not something that we just hear these stories over and over again and we say, we've heard this a thousand times. We need to hear it a thousand times and a thousand times more. This is the good news message of the gospel, Emmanuel, God with us. So let's look at this, the eyes of the shepherds. You see, the first thing you see on the outline is the shepherd's position. First thing that you'll see this morning is the shepherd's position. I don't believe that the shepherds were in a chaotic choice by God to send his angels to meet with the shepherds. I don't believe that the angels were just flying over the landscape and they found, oh, the shepherds, these are the first people we come to. I guess we should visit them. I believe that the shepherds were a very intentional choice by God of who he would come and herald this good news to. Now, you'll recall that the shepherds were not really seen as the, the cool guys in town, right? They weren't the best of the best. They weren't the most awesome guys. They were really 0 for 2 in life schemes. First, they were socially outcast. The shepherds were not the people that you would invite to the parties. They were not getting the, the big invite to the big weddings and social events. The shepherds were ceremonially unclean. 0 for 2, socially outcast and ceremonially unclean. These guys had no social standing in culture, but they also had no social standing in the church house. Because of their work, they were ceremonially unclean, socially outcast. These guys have nothing to give. Really, these are the people that you would think that God would visit last or would be last to be written in the storybook of history. Yet these are who Jesus or who the angels visit first to tell of the good news of Jesus. This is pretty remarkable, pretty incredible. That in just a few verses before, as you see in your Bibles, just a few verses before, you see verse uh, 7 talk about that she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So you see Jesus' arrival onto this planet was done in lowly means, not how a savior, a king should come. And then just the verse later, we see the angels visiting people who probably do not deserve to be visited. Again, I hope in this you see that the, angels, the shepherd's position is a beautiful indicator of God's goodness and compassion on his people. Friends, if we're honest, you and I are in much similar places to the shepherds. We're stinky. We're smelly. We're gross in our sin. That our sins have left us ceremonially unclean, unworthy to approach God, unworthy to be with God, unworthy to be called his sons and daughters. If we're honest, we are much more like the shepherds than we would ever admit, even though we've all, for the most part, as I'm looking around, have taken our showers today and we, we smell good and we look fairly good. Most of us do in any ways. The shepherds were gross and stinky and nasty and most of us are very similar to the shepherds in that we were stinky, smelly, 
outcast from God due to our sin. See, God chose in his goodness to visit the shepherds, and it's a reminder to us that he has visited and he has saved us. The stinkiest, the smelliest, the nastiest, the dirtiest because of our sin. This is precisely who God has come to save. And so the shepherd's position reminds us that God has love over all of his people, that he visits all and he loves all and he cares for all. Look in this next portion, the angel's visitation. You see, as the shepherds are keeping watch over their flock by night, I want you to think for a moment, it's easy to just read this passage as we talked about and think, oh yeah, the shepherds, they're out keeping watch over their flock by night and all of a sudden these angels with harps just come sing some pretty songs and everything is so beautiful and lovely. But think about the all-out terror of this moment. I mean, put yourself, transport yourself into the shepherd's shoes. They're hanging out, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Right? The, you got the buying or whatever is happening in the animals out there, and they're just hanging out in the field. And in an instant, the heavenly hosts are right before them, these angelic beings right before them. And they're like, oh, man, what's going on? No, they are terrified. Terrified. I mean, can you imagine being out camping one night or out just hanging out on your back porch in the night and all of a sudden as you're sitting there minding your business an angel comes and visits you out of nowhere do you think that you would be okay no friends you would be terrified so much so that every time an angel visits pretty much anybody in all of a scripture their first response to them is what fear not don't be afraid pick yourself up off the floor right I mean, look on your outline right here. You see it. In Matthew 28, his appearance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. You know, the guards looking at the angels are like dead men, like frozen in fear and terror of what they are seeing. And imagine in this moment, the shepherds standing there, all of a sudden they're listening to this angel proclaim this good news, and all of a sudden a host of angelic beings dot the sky, and they're singing glory to God in the highest. This is a terror-filled moment. But like we see in all of Scripture, the good news that the angels bring is do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Over and over in Scripture, we see this emulated. Do not be afraid. We're scaredy cats. We're scared people. We're nervous people. Even in the face of angelic beings, but just in day-to-day life, you see the angels repeat this phrase, do not be afraid. Because the angels are not coming to bring condemning news. They're coming to bring good news. Which would lead us to this third point, which is the angels' proclamation. What are the angels saying? What is the verbiage of what they're saying? The angels say, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Friends, from John 3.16 to hear the angel's first proclamation that this will be good news of great joy that will be for who? All people. This is not just for the shepherds, the lowly. This is not just for the kings that are highly. This is for all people meaning your enemies, the people that you don't like, the people on other ends of the planet. This is why we send IMB missionaries to all people because we believe this good news is of great joy for, y'all say it, all people. And so this angelic host is reminding them that this is for good news for all people. And so for unto you this day is born in the city of David, what? A Savior. 
Friends, this is the good news of the gospel that we have to continually remind ourselves of that we needed a Savior, that we were in desperate need of a Savior. This is what I've reminded the crowd here at the Living Christmas Tree, that we have a sin problem, that we needed a Savior. And the moment that we think that we don't need a Savior is some of the scariest moments in our believing lives. That somehow we've done something to earn God's favor. Somehow God loves us more based on what we do. No, we need a Savior. And so the good news message of the gospel is that God has sent us one. That he sent us a Savior in the form of an infant. And so the angels declaring that this day, a Savior who would be for all people. And his name is Christ, this title, this Messiah title, Christ the Lord signifying that this would be a divine, that this would be God in human form, Emmanuel, God with us, the angels declaring. And this will be a sign for you, that you will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And then verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. And what were they saying? Maybe y'all can say it out loud together with me. Glory to God in the highest. I think the angels probably sounded better. I don't know. I think they sounded slightly better. That was horrifying. Can you imagine? Shepherds weren't scared of that. Um, they're saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among, them who he, among whom he is pleased. And this is what we've been talking about week after week after week and what Roger read earlier, that knowing God is to know peace, that we find peace as we come to terms with our salvation in Jesus. Peace on whom he is pleased. When the Lord is pleased with you because you have given your life to him, when you have trusted in Jesus with your life, what you find is the prince of peace. This is remarkable that in this phrase, glory to God in the highest, the angels from times past to times present to times future have been singing the same song, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among them who he is pleased. And in the turmoil of our lives, in the turmoil and chaos of life as we know it, in the difficulty and struggle and strife and strain that we all experience and we all face, we look to Jesus. He gives peace. He is the prince of peace. He calls us to find peace. And when we are at peace with him, we know peace eternal. So from this moment, as the Savior is coming onto the scene, we see the angels proclaiming that those who come face to face, who trust in Jesus, who know Jesus as their Savior and Lord, they find peace. And so to know Jesus is simply to know peace. This last thought on your outline is on the back here, and it's simply the shepherd's worship. As the angels proclaim this good news, the angels go away into heaven now, something I've never thought about, you know, at this point, the, angel, the shepherds have kind of a choice, do they not? The shepherds have a little bit of a choice. Now, they've seen this angelic uh, host praising God and saying, there's a, a Savior who's been born, you should go see him, but the shepherds have a choice. They can either say, man, that was crazy, that was weird, let's just go back to tending the sheep, or they could go see this thing, they could go share and you know the shepherd's choice was to go and see this thing that's come to pass? And they've told Mary, they told everyone around them, do you know the shepherds have essentially become the first evangelist in all of Scripture? See, their response to an interaction with Jesus was to worship and to share. To worship and to share. Read with me. 
The shepherds, they, they went and they saw this thing. They made haste and they found the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And when they saw it, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And when all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Mary treasured up these things in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising him for all that they had seen and heard. Essentially, as the shepherds understand what they are seeing, as they grasp the fullness of what they're seeing and experiencing, their only response is they've got to tell people and they've got to worship. What lead us to this Christmas season? Friends, our only response to the reality of the gospel, the only response to the truth of God's word is, will we worship him and will we tell others? Do we worship Jesus as our Savior and our Lord? Do we trust in Him? Do we give Him our life? And if we do, then we worship Him. We give our lives to glorifying His name, to magnifying who He is. We give everything to Him. And then we tell others. We share this good news message of the gospel. We share the goodness of who God is with everybody. If this is good news for all people, then let it be for all people. We share to all people. We don't withhold the good news of the gospel. We share it with all people. And so as the shepherds become the good and first evangelist, it leads us to ask this question. How will you engage in worship this Christmas season? How will you engage in the worship of our Savior this Christmas season? And add another note, how will you engage in evangelism and sharing this Christmas season? How will you worship? Friends, if we go back to the beginning, if we, if we become over-familiar with this Christmas story, if we just go through the motions of the routine of Christmas, we will not worship. But how will you and your families, how will you personally, how will you worship this Christmas season? I would encourage you to try something new. Try something different this Christmas season. Find a way to worship the Lord, to magnify His name, to recognize what this Christmas season means for you personally. And how will you engage in the worship of our Savior this Christmas season? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you that you love us. Thank you that even though we were dirty, smelly, gross in our sin, even though we had no reason for you to save us, you did. So Lord, I pray that today, as we walk even further into this Christmas season, our hearts would be flooded with the freshness of our salvation and the freshness of our Lord. That we would recognize that, yes, you have saved us from the pit of hell. I pray that that would lead us towards worship and sharing and telling that this good news is for all people of all time. So, Lord, I pray that you would use us to magnify and lift up your name as we go. We love you, and thank you for your son Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.